Hello, I'm David Brunner, the founder and CEO of Module Q, and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. I've got a great guest lined up today because I can walk through a, a summit that I'm actually attending, me and alongside uh, 30 of the other world's leading uh, apppreneurs. Uh, this uh, guest today has brought together uh, th- this collection of just amazing individuals to help you. And I, I wanted to talk about the summit, but also her entrepreneurial journey. Her name's Charlene Keating, and uh, she is the creator of Apppreneur Summit. So uh, uh, please stop what you're doing right now and just go to a website and go to Apppreneur Summit. You can easily spell that, apppreneursummit.com and go and check out all the the beautiful uh, faces on there of some of the leading experts in the world. But also uh, Charlene is an app developer as well and has got uh, a rich uh, expertise in this whole field so can help us out even more. So Charlene, uh, welcome to the show, the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. So what uh, gave you the crazy idea to get all these people together and to host a summit? Crazy being the key word. Oh, my goodness. I'm talking to so many wonderful people from around the world. I got to be honest, this is something that I wish I had had uh, two, three years ago when I was starting out. You know, everything that you need to be successful in the app world in one place. And, you know, hearing them give the advice from their own personal experience and talking about you know, the the concepts that we've all heard about, ASO and how to launch an app and and, um, how to market an app, we've all heard these concepts, but hearing them talk about how they can be applied to specific apps and specific problems that they've faced is really eye-opening. It's helping me really understand what are the next steps I need to take in my business to level it up. Yeah, so I'm guessing that anyone listening to this right now who wants to be an app entrepreneur or perhaps is already, uh, they have an app or an app business, they're the ideal candidates. And I believe you're, you're doing free registration. I am, yeah. You can register for free. You can get a free pass, I'm calling it. And you can listen to all of the videos as they come out. I'm going to roll them out over 10 days and you'll you'll have, uh, they'll be open for a whole 48 hours that you can absorb as much information as you can. And they really are different levels too. You mentioned if you're thinking about getting an app out there or you have an app already out there and it's not quite getting the downloads or the profits that you were hoping for or uh, you know maybe you've gotten an app and you're working on your next app or your third app and you really want to get in the big leagues and these guys can, uh, can help you get there. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm really appealing to any, anyone who's been listening to this show for any extended period of time. They may actually recognize quite a few of the names. But what I think is nice is that you're focusing the whole summit around you know, helping app entrepreneurs in a very specific way rather than kind of, you know, my podcast, which happens to be, I guess, quite high level and sort of very vague sometimes. But I'm looking at some of the names, you know, Bobby Gill, Paul Salt, uh, Sean Casto. Uh, all names, you know, that are familiar with, um, you know, that should be familiar with people. Uh, what what, what uh, sort of content uh, could, can we get excited about? You know, I handpicked these, all the speakers, each one, and each one for a specific reason. So something that they have written about or spoken about or done in their careers that have, that I've been inspired by, that I've, I've learned from. And so I was excited to talk to each one of them. And some of them are talking about basics. You know, how do you, how do you launch your app? What, do you, what are the steps you have to focus on? How can you 
screw it up? You know, what do you have to avoid? Some of them are talking about more advanced topics. Um, you know, like you, you know the basics of ASO. So what's next? What other things you can do to take your app, you know, to the, to that next level? And um, and then there's some bridge talks that kind of talk to beginners and to more experienced app developers. So that, I think there's something in there for everybody. So, you know, I'd be good to know about you as well, Charlene. Uh, I think that, you know, when you, you read your bio, and I sh- should certainly recommend anyone go to appreneursummit.com and, and check out your bio. Uh, you know, you've been fascinated and passionate about apps for ages. What, what uh, bring, you know, brings you into the app world? What, why are you so passionate about the whole thing? Well, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I've done a lot of different things in my career, um, and I love a challenge. And for me, the App Store was a, a fantastic challenge and an exciting place for an entre- entrepreneur to be because, you know, video games, as I always love to play video games, but they sort of went, as we went to console games, you went to games that required this huge team of 100 or so people and millions of dollars for the budget. And I, the games, game studios have become a lot more like movie studios in that respect. And for the App Store, I was looking at individual developers, small teams that were coming out with these fantastic games and apps all by themselves, bootstrapping their company. They, they, they didn't have, you know, they weren't funded by venture capitalists. They were just going out there and figuring out something and putting it out there and, and making a living from it. And that's really exciting to me, that kind of an opportunity. And that's what got me started. I actually, the first app I put out, I wasn't even trying to make money off of it. There are no ads, doesn't, it's free. I just wanted to go through that experience of putting, learning how to program a game, putting it out in the app store, um, testing it, having people play it, getting that feedback. That was a lot of fun. And for me, ever since then, the last two, three years have been about experimenting for me, seeing what works, trying out some different monetization models, trying out some different marketing tactics, um, different types of apps and games, just to get a feel for the market from a lot of different angles. Because you've got, you've got quite an enviable uh, portfolio. I was looking at uh, where in Disney World. I mean, how did you get that gig? Was that uh, working for Disney or did you did they approach you to, to help with that app? That's actually a, it's unrelated officially to Disney at this, at this point. Um, I, I did work for Disney briefly several years ago on the DisneyWorld.com site and um, but I've always been a fan of Disney World. I live just down the road, and I'm close enough just to pop over to Epcot if I want to have lunch in Morocco or France. Um, <laughs> that's a lot of fun for me. And, you know, I, 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 I've lived in other places before, but it wasn't until I got to Orlando that all of a sudden everybody I knew wanted to come visit me because, of course, they wanted to, to come to Disney World. And as much as I went, I'd always get asked a question I couldn't answer. You know, like, where can I find um, that, you know, an Elsa costume for my daughter? Or, oh, my kid only eats hot dogs. We're in Epcot. Where can you get a hot dog? You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> as much as I go there, I didn't know the answers to those questions. And there'd be things that I were, was looking for, and I wasn't exactly sure where to go to find them. The place is huge. It's, it's twice the size of Manhattan. Um, wow. I didn't realize it's it was that big. Oh, my goodness. So We're already used to Euro Disney, which you can walk around <laughs> in uh, half a day. Oh, I've been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's much more compact. So this place is just spread out over a tremendous amount of land. Um, you know, there are four theme parks, two water parks, two dozen hotels. Um, it's, it's, it just goes on and on. And 
so if you're looking for something specific, it can be really tough to find. Like my dad's always like, where's the good steaks? You know, I want to go, I want a good steak. And, and so I wanted an app that I could just kind of search that up and, and tell me where it is. And before I even get there, let me search up the good steaks and tell me what my choices were. Let me read those menus. And, um, you know, you can shop for souvenirs from home. You can, if you've got a special diet, like a gluten-free diet, you can find out what your options are before you even get to the park. So I wanted an app that, you know, was really useful, but also was entertaining. So you could use it while you were standing in line for an attraction, while you were, um, you know, waiting in the airport, while you were planning your, your vacation, hadn't even gotten there yet. You know, Charlene, does it actually change you being a serial entrepreneur? Because I can imagine like 99% of the people that go around Disney World, for example, would just quite happily enjoy it but you're always looking for problems to solve and is, is that fair that anyone getting into this game you know expect that your life will change because the way you look at the world is going to be full of like problems that need to be solved I like to warn people against that but I have to say I think I've always just been built that way um you know I remember going to Disney World as a child and being really excited trying to figure out how they did the special effects. I wanted to be behind the scenes at the Haunted Mansion. I wanted to see how they got those ghosts dancing in that ballroom. And it didn't take the magic away from me. I was excited to try to figure it out. I was excited to take that backstage tour. And business is a similar thing for me. I, 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 the challenge of it is very exciting and trying to figure out how people are doing what they're doing, how they're coming to the success. It looks like for on the outside it looks like people are just coming to it naturally but you know underneath there's so much hard work and thought and effort that goes into it and i i'm interested in that i i want to take that's the engineer in me too i want to take things apart and see how they work i want to take business apart see how it works put it back together and make a really efficient machine out of it so would you say i mean all these years you've been building apps and playing in the app world is it a good time to get into this space uh, I'm thinking of anyone who's listening to this who may be working full-time and thinking about joining a startup that's involved in apps or working as an indie app developer. Is it a good time to try it? I think it's a great time. And, and you, you know, you read a lot of articles about how crowded the app store is and how so many indie developers are not making a living. And those things are true. But if you look at the amount of apps out there and compare it to the amount of websites that are out there, it's still a pretty young market. And... I would say that the majority of the app developers who are not making a living off the app store are not doing it because not because their apps aren't great, but because they lack an understanding of the business fundamentals that need to go behind that app. So in other words, you, you might be a great programmer, you might be a great product designer, a great graphic artist, you might have a good team in place and, and a fantastic idea, and even a really good implementation of that idea. But if you don't understand how to get your product in front of your target audience, how to listen to that audience and iterate on your product and make it better and better, then it's just not going to be a financial success. So, you know, that's why I think that there's so much good information online. Um, so you can start there, certainly, reading about it and, and uh, getting an understanding of what you need to know to make that app successful. Yeah, because where did you go for your online training? I'm assuming it wasn't, uh, you know, the sort of traditional colleges that teach this stuff, but you have to self-taught almost. Uh, is there any resources you could recommend to us? 
There are so many. And in fact, I got to say, most of the, the speakers that are in the summit, if you go to the page and just look up their names, you'll find articles that they've written that are extremely helpful. And I would certainly recommend going to the speakers in any of the topics you're specifically interested in, whether it's, you know, what type of business model should I do with my app? Or um, what do I need to know about ASO? Or, you know, how can I get press to cover it? Whatever it is, go look at that topic look at the speakers and just Google them and, and you'll find some really, really helpful resources that they've put out there for free generously that you can start to learn from. You know, and, and then outside of that, there are some fantastic books on business and marketing. Um, you know, The Lean Startup is an excellent one that I recommend often to people to start and, and you know, that one teaches you the fundamentals of coming out with the most basic product you can as quickly as you can to market so that you can learn from the market where that product needs to evolve. Um, I'll make sure that we put links to uh, appreneursummit.com and, and also the, the books that you mentioned in the show notes. So just uh, if you're listening to this, go to theappguy.co and uh, go to episode 259 with Charlene Keating, Keating and you'll see all these uh, links uh, I wanted to ask you if you had any uh, future app ideas. I mean, we love, we're, we're a community of uh, app builders. We love new ideas. Do you happen to have one you could, uh, you know, talk about that is not giving away too much, but we could start building? Are you seriously asking me if I have an app idea? I have like an Excel spreadsheet that is busting at the seams. I cannot stop coming up with app ideas. It drives me a little bit crazy because Every time I come up with an idea, I think this is, I got I to gotta drop everything and work on this, but I can't. I can't. There's just not enough time in the day to work on them. Um, Go on, pick, pick one from that list. Pick a, an interesting <laughs> one. Oh, my gosh. Let me think about that. So I, I don't have my spreadsheet right here. And that's one of the things I do is I write them down. So I, I try not to think about them. <laughs> that's a good I'm idea. Distracted. But you know what? I go throughout the day thinking, oh, here's here's a great app, here's a great app. Um, and I come up with a lot of games, too. I mean, I, I, I probably got three or four or five dozen. Ooh, what am I going to give you, though? <laughs> well, we could always come back to it while you open the spreadsheet up. I mean, uh, the other thing we like to do is ask about particular pain points in, in business because Again, you know, what we've learned from the themes of interviewing all the guests on the show is that it's important to solve uh, modern day uh, pain points. And it's quite useful to go and you know, ask our guests, what pain points are you, are you experiencing right now you know, in your business? Uh, and I wondered if you could think back to the last two months or so and think about the things that have been really frustrating that you could talk about. Yeah, um, so I'd say that... The launch of the product is probably the biggest stressor that people have. You know, you know you've got your product coming out. You don't know quite when because of course, you know, you've got to go through the app review process and everybody knows that that can be pretty frustrating waiting, you know, 8 10 days getting a rejection, putting it through again, getting a rejection. It's always something small, something stupid that makes you have to go back through that process again. So, while that's going on, the anxiety can build pretty quickly about your launch. You know, it you, you go back and forth between being very excited about having the app out there for people to use and then, you know, wondering, well, am I doing everything I can to get that word out? How's it going to do those first few days? And, 
you know, I've got a lot of speakers on the summit that I've spoken to that say the, the launch is critical. you got to get that right because the first few days can really position you for success for the lifetime of the product. And then there are other speakers who tell me, hey, I, I did a terrible launch, but here's what I did to turn it around. And so that momentum needs to come at some point if your app is going to be successful, whether that's from day one with the launch or whether that's a year later because you pivoted and you figured out where you really need to be going with this app. But at some point, you need to get to that tipping point where your app has really taken off and is successful or it's time to move on to the next idea. Yeah, you're making me think that, Charlene, of the... A uh, big problem, which I think a lot of uh, app developers have when, especially with Apple, when particularly Apple, is this two-week-plus review cycle. And even for updates, it can take quite a, a long time. You know, two weeks is a very long time when it's, it's absolutely critical, the, the timing of your launch. And I'm wondering if anyone listening to this should really think about uh, ways to circumvent that process by uh, having real-time live updates you know that are outside of the need for an app update yeah you know there's a couple of services out there that make a b testing in the app um, something that's really affordable to indie developers which we haven't had in the past so that's great and then you know i was just talking to doing an interview with Stuart hall who was pointing out that you can change the description of your app anytime you want to. So although your description doesn't affect your ASO, it does encourage people to download it. So you can go in and put some social proof at the beginning of the description, for instance. He says, you know, if you can say thousands of people are using this app or it was reviewed in the New York Times or, you know, it's two million downloads or whatever you can say about the app right there in the description to encourage people to download it as soon as they see it. So that's something you can do without an update. And beyond that, I think not enough indie developers really spend the time to test and iterate regularly. So plan to have regular updates. Plan to test out different keywords, test out the order of the keywords, things like that. Um, and then one more thing I can mention, if you've got a little bit of a budget, an advertising budget, you can test out screenshots and icons on Facebook, for instance. You can run some different ads to A-B test it. You know, what what results in more downloads? This this icon or this one? This screenshot or this? This wording or this other way that I'm saying this? So you can actually test it out and use the most successful ones in your next App Store update. What a great tip that is. And uh, you know, it's only taken 259 episodes for someone to actually suggest that as a strategy. And it just seems so obvious, you know, but... Uh, I, think well, that's yeah. a, I can't take credit for it. That was a, that was one of the interviews in the Appreneur Summit, and I can't stress enough. Just, I mean, I'm getting, I'm personally getting so much information from these speakers. I'm really excited to share this with everyone. No, I mean, it's, well, I'm just so grateful, you know, to be part of it and to uh, share my part. And I, I guess the last thing is that uh, it's always good to talk about one or two apps that you happen to use during the day. It could be business or it could be personal. Do you have? Two apps that uh, you think maybe uh, that we've not come across before? Um, can I talk about games? Yeah, <laughs> we love games. Because I'm a game player. And, you know, that's what got me into this in the first place. And I love looking at the different monetization models that they have because I think there's some really interesting stuff going on in terms of partnerships. And I would love to see more indie developers get into partnerships. I, I I haven't seen too much in the indie side, but I'll tell you, I was I was playing Tetris Blitz the other day, 
and they have, you know, some power-ups that help you get a higher score in your game. And you buy them with coins, with your in-app currency. Well, one of the power-ups right now is a um, progressive insurance, some kind of discount drop. You know, so it directly ties into their commercial. But the power-up's really good, so you want to use it. You want to ask for it every time you're playing. So let me get this straight then. The the game Tetris Blitz has a power-up that is tied to the ad on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So so it's the same character in the ads, Flo, I think her name is, from Progressive. And she, a, a cartoon version of her floats down into your game and drops a bunch of blocks that helps you get a higher score. And it's it's branded, the name of the power-up is branded to tie in with their tagline. It's very clever. You could almost, I mean, when you look at ads now anyway, it, a lot of them are mobile related. Uh, there's there's uh, quite a few uh, big brands that are using Shazam and they and ask you to Shazam the advert for more information. And uh, yeah, I think advertisers are definitely getting on the bandwagon for uh, clever ways of advertising. I, and I love it. And I love any any chance that you get to monetize your app without putting up a big, annoying interstitial ad I mean honestly people get annoyed by that when they're trying to use an app and there's a big ad and they tap on it accidentally and get taken out of the app it can be very frustrating I I was playing around with um with video ads in one of my apps I um, got some source code for a casino and it's not unusual source code it's all over the place it's a slot machine but what they had in there is that you could unlock you know for a dollar ninety nine you could unlock you never run out of credits you know, as soon as you start losing all your credits, you get a big jackpot win and then you have a bunch of credits and you can keep playing. Which for me took all the fun out of it because, you know, part of the thrill of being playing a slot machine is you might lose all your money, right? Or you might win it big. So it took that thrill out. So I reprogrammed it. I took all that out. I said, all right, you can lose all your credits. You're not necessarily going to win a jackpot. And if you run out and you want more credits, you can either A, pay some money or B, watch a video ad. And every time they do watch a video ad, you know, the, the, my eCPM e is much higher than I would have gotten. I get more money from it than I would have gotten from the in-app purchases. So it's turned out to be a really interesting experiment. Yeah, you, you reminded me of my kids playing uh, Sega, uh, one of the Sega games there. And uh, they have to watch an ad to get extended um, power-ups or something. And so, so five-year-olds are watching these ads uh, for you know games, and uh, I can't imagine they're buying. Or they're certainly not downloading them, you know. So, unfortunately, I, th I think that the end result is the advertiser is getting a less click th click-through rate and uh, having less appeal, you know, because uh, they're not they don't know you know where these clicks are coming from, uh, especially incentivized uh, that that way. No doubt, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not suggesting to indie developers that they go out and, and start advertising their games in these video ads. I'm not suggesting that at all because I don't think the numbers work for most of them, if not all of them. Yeah, but well, certainly you can put it in your ad as a publisher. Yeah, and I'll be testing this out as well. I've just uh, worked in a joint venture with um, a previous guest and we're doing some interstitial ads uh, on one of my popular apps and uh, just trying to monetize it better than it has been in the past. Uh, so is there a certain size where the app needs to be to, to make it worthwhile to, to actually put all the interstitial ads in? Um, I mean, I think 
put them in as early as you can because you're going to get numbers, you know, from the first hundred or so people that use it, you're going to get numbers on the app and how, how it's monetizing for you. So no, no need to really wait to do that. You want the numbers as soon as you can so you can start tweaking them. Charlene, this has been terrific. Uh, I think we're getting towards the end. Is, um, is there anything we've missed about the Appreneur Summit uh, that you feel we should sort of mention any any other highlights from uh, the summit that's taken place? I believe we might as well mention a date. I, th- I think it's the uh, 9th of April through to the 18th of April. Is that right? That's exactly right. But you can get your free pass right now today. So don't even wait. Go grab it. Go grab a good seat um, right in front so you can pick up all the, the good information. I, I have to say I, I added, it's interesting because I thought I knew what we were going to cover you know, metrics and launch and ASO and, and all that. And then as I started talking to some of the speakers, some interesting new topics came out of it. And one of them is uh, just about the whole idea of if you're an independent, can you even compete with the big guys with those deep pockets? Can you compete with the candy crushes, you know, with the kings of the world? And what are some strategies to do that? And then another topic that's been really interesting is um, – you know, so many developers are living below that app poverty line. They're just not making enough money from their apps to quit their day jobs, pay the rent. And is there a business model that has more potential for more money? And I, I'm talking to some really smart entrepreneurs that have done very, very well, just kind of thinking out of the box with that and doing some different things with apps and partnerships and IP and I'm not even going to give away all the, the fun, but um, some really, uh, it might get you thinking about your app business in a completely different way. Well, anything that can uh, help us improve uh, our you know, bottom line is, is highly important, especially. I know there's a lot of people listening to this show who uh, you know, don't make a decent income from sales of apps because apps are just you know, very low cost and uh, uh, you need um, to, to have high numbers of downloads to make uh, ends meet. So yeah, that sounds great content. Uh, how best can we reach out and connect with you, Charlene? What's the best way of getting in touch? I guess go to the appreneursummit.com. Yeah, come come to appreneursummit.com, um, get your free pass, uh, and you can always hit, you'll get an email from there. You can always hit reply to talk to me. I am at charlenkeating.com as well. And I spend a lot of time on Twitter at uh, Charlene Keating. Wonderful. Uh, so yeah, anyone struggling to drive and write that down, I'll make sure that we put that on the show notes <laughs> and uh, and put links to your uh, Twitter and LinkedIn and your website. Charlie, this yep. has been a, a wonderful, a pleasurable uh, you know chat with you. Very inspirational. I'm so happy to be involved with the Appreneur Summit and and to also see just all these wonderful guests uh, lined up. So highly encourage everyone to go and check it out. And uh, thanks very much for joining us on the App Guy podcast. Thank you, Paul. And thank you for being a speaker at the summit. And I got to say, just 2015 could be a breakout year for a lot of people.